Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2 and URFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back in the studio with us once again. What do you got lined up for us this week? Yeah, it's uh, beautiful out there now. The days are warmer. The spring's here. Almost, but it's, I think it's going to rain on Wednesday. Oh, okay. Yeah, so don't get too excited. <laughs> hopes are dashed it, again. It, spring is teasing us at the moment. Against your rocky shores there, you've just dashed my <laughs> <Yes>. hopes again. <laughs> Uh, look, I thought today we might talk about aphids, a uh, little bit of an issue in the garden with all the new growth on things. Uh, Clivias, they're out, or Clivias, they're out yep. at the moment and looking very, very lovely. The other plant that looking, is looking fantastic at the moment are Indian hawthorns, so we'll have a chat about them as well. Now, Scott, you mentioned aphids at the top of the hour. Is, are they bad or are they doing something wrong? <laughs> yes, they're, they're nasty They're nasty little creatures. They are no, bad. It's the return of the aphids. Yes. Yeah, so the trouble is at this time of year, um, everything's growing. The sun's out more. You know, it's warmer, especially your roses. Uh, yep. So they get nice little tender new shoots on there. And, of course, that's what the aphids love. Uh, look, there's some ways to keep it uh, keep them under control. Um, they're a little sap-sucking insects. So they just get on that new growth and it just starts to wither and, wither and die down. Uh, you can actually just go out there and give it a you know a little bit of a blast with a hose and just sort of relocate oh, okay. yep. them. Yep. That's probably the best way of thinking, but they will come back, unfortunately. Uh, look, the other way is just to uh, mix up some pyrethrum and just go and you can always see where they are. Just let, get some pyrethrum, spray it onto the, uh, onto the stem of the plant. It'll just run down and get rid of the aphids for you. Oh, too easy. Yeah, it's a nice, easy way to do it. Um, yeah, look, that's that's probably the best way. You don't need any, you know, more harsh chemical uh, than some pyrethrum just to, um, yeah, mix it and just spray it down the, the stem of the plant and off they go. Almost that way I asked. <laughs> <laughs> look, the other trouble, they are a little windborne insect, so, you know, you, you might do the right things, but your neighbours, you know, don't. Yep. Uh, they can the aphids can just sniff out the new growth and they'll just come straight in from next door. So it is something you just have to try and keep on top of. Right. Yeah. So if you probably haze them, they might go next door or yeah, you might just chase them next door. Oh, yeah, just a never-ending circle of, <laughs> of aphids <laughs> just wandering around. <laughs> it's Gardy Tour back on two and you are FM. We've got Kay from Lambton and she's got a question about the nectarine tree. Yes. Hello, Kay. How can we help you? I'm good, thank you. Um, I have a fruit salad tree. It's only, this is its second fruiting, but the, the plums are, fi- it's, oh, well, it's plums. It's white plums and white nectarine. Yep. And the plums are fine. It's absolutely loaded considering the size of the tree. But on the nectarine side, it's, it just looks like the fruit's probably, you know, between five and ten cent piece. And it looks like something's chewing it or something, and the, there's little bubbles of sap coming to the surface of the nectarine. I can't find anything on there, um, no grubs or slugs, or I can't find anything. So, it, I mean, I think it's pretty well the fruit's ruined for this year, but I just wondered how to treat it. Yeah, look, I wonder if you might have had some early fruit fly going through it. It's it's funny though that it's uh, it's into the uh, what did you say? It's into the nectarine and, and rather not into the plum though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, look, I, I think if if the fruit is that damaged, just you know, sort of write it off for this year, and it might even be yeah. worth you know picking all that damaged stuff off and getting rid of it in a plastic bag and into the bin. Yeah. Um, and, and then next year, I would just, you know, once the, uh, the the fruit starts to come onto the plant, just start some, you know, general spraying just with a pyrethrum spray. It's nice and safe to use. Yeah. Um, and, and that just will keep, you know, any caterpillars, any fruit fly under control as well. I don't, I don't think it is fruit fly, though, because it's just like the skin. Like, 
something's peeling the skin off it, sort of, kind of. Right, so you, you think like that... gnawing the skin. Okay, so you might have, uh, you know, like a little caterpillar or some other sort of bigger... Um, no, like a rat or something like that coming around, but no, 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 it's, like that. It's no. Fu- and it's funny that it's just on the nectarine and not necessarily yeah. on on the plum. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'd definitely discard. Um, so use that pyrethrum spray uh, when it you know sets again next year. Um, yeah. The other thing when you've got uh, you know stone fruit like this, uh, using a fungicide is also a good thing to do. So get some copper spray, copper oxychloride. Yep. And just generally spray that, you know, every week or two weeks as well when the fruit is forming. Mm, so you reckon this would be, it'd be ruined, you reckon? Oh, look, now. if you're seeing, you know, and you're telling me that the fruit's, you know, sort of bubbling and, and the, the skin's coming off, I'd be yeah, definitely like getting... It, like the sap is coming to the surface, sort of like tiny little bubbles of sap. Yeah, look that out of the fruit. Okay, look, I, I'd definitely discard that fruit and and get it away from the other uh, good fruit that's on the tree. Yeah, I thought. First of all, I thought it might have been birds, and I like I covered it with a net. Yes, good idea. I yeah, don't think, I don't think it's that. It's just uh, this is like its second fruiting. The the um the uh the plum side is as I said, it's only a small tree, two year old, and and I got seventeen plums off it. Oh. But I know it's Very so, good. so beautiful. But the nectarine side didn't see. I, I well, I don't even remember getting any on the nectarine side. But this year it's loaded. But as I said, there's something chewing something. I don't know what to do. So you just. I don't know. Yeah, I'd look, I'd definitely discard, and then uh, next year do some spraying with the uh, the copper spray and some pyrethrum. All right, then. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you for the call, Kay. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Virginia from Dyer's Crossing, and she's wondering what sort of plant she can plant in a horse paddock. Hello, Virginia. Yes. How can we help today? Thank you. Um, and I love your program. I, I have a horse paddock. We're actually an animal sanctuary, and when we purchase the farm, there's a mound with an old car on it. It's like a bit of a feature. And I'm thinking of putting some plants around it that, um, you know, are not toxic to, to animals to pretty up the car. And I was just wondering if you had any suggestions of what kind of um, flowering plants I can put around um, an old car. And, and how tall do you want the um, plants to get to? Doesn't really matter. Okay, okay. It's pretty um, pretty dry out, like in the area that, it's, that the car well, is? The mound, the mound is dry um, where we are, you know, because of all the rain that we've been having, that particular part of the, the paddocks, it, it can get quite wet. But the actual mound, which is probably about uh, two and a half to three feet high, is, is quite dry. Yeah, okay. Look, I, I was actually going to talk about this plant, uh, you know, a little bit later on in the show, and it's called Indian Hawthorn. Uh, and the reason I'm suggesting it is because you can keep them very well pruned. There's also different varieties that, uh, you know, stay down low. And then there's ones that get up to about, oh, you know, a metre, metre and a half to two metres. Uh, and now the great thing about Indian hawthorn is that they are particularly tough. They'll handle the full sun. And at this time of year, they are just an absolute mass of flowers. Uh, look, you've probably seen them when you're driving around. There's there's whites and there's there's beautiful pinks. Uh, and they are just a really great, um, you know, plant uh, for those sort of conditions that you're describing. 
Now, there's a few different varieties. There's uh, little ones called uh, Oriental Pearl, uh, and so they're quite low growing. And then there's just the bigger, different, uh, uh, you know, the the bigger, taller growing varieties of the Indian hawthorn. So a, a really great plant for those sort of conditions. Yeah, I, I could encourage it to actually grow through the car as well and come out the windows because basically it's just a bo- the body of a car. So, And it is a bit of a feature. So um, my husband was wanting to move it maybe into the goat's paddock, but then we thought may not be good for them to climb on with it breaking down. So I thought, no, have some flowers around and, and encourage it to sort of grow through the car as well as, you know, make it even more of a, th- uh, a feature. So it was an Indian... Indian hawthorn, that one is. Okay. And look, I was, and I was just then generally thinking if you did want some shade, you could put in, uh, you know, say a tuckaroo tree. Uh, they're a, a local native and they get to about eight metres tall. Um, oh, you know, wow. They're quite upright. So they're, and they're really, again, a tough plant. Uh, that's called uh, tuckaroo or capaniopsis uh, is the botanical name. Uh, a really great plant uh, for those sort of conditions as well. Okay, tuckaroo. Tuckaroo is probably the easiest way to remember it. Okay. Now, Virginia, yeah. we, we, I've got a question for you. What's like your weirdest and wonderful animal you've got there at the sanctuary? Um, my weirdest. Oh, I don't know if they're, they're weird and wonderful. I have I have horses. I have goats. They're probably most the most weird and wonderful. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> lots and lots of chickens, and we, we rescue our animals. Um, I've got uh, five dogs, two cats, and whatever birds like to come and visit. I guess um, the most weird and wonderful animal that we we don't want is the fox that comes and visits but um, <laughs> that's true that's true but the our animals yeah they're all, basically all rescue so that's why we have it as a sanctuary look apparently king charles is on his way so he might come and do a bit of a fox hunt or something up on the property <laughs> for you well we've got plenty of horses that they can ride oh, <laughs> he's got it made he'll, he'll do the job for you it will indeed he will indeed okay thanks for the call virginia thank you very much yeah bye-bye bye-bye we got Noel from Toronto, and he's got a question about fertilizer. Hello, hello. Noel. How can we help you? Oh, hello, Scott. Hello, Greg. Um, I've been googling food for different plants, and I've come across a thing called bone meal for beetroot. Bone meal, I've never heard of, and never seen. I've heard of blood and bone, but not blood meal. Yeah, look, that's what I'm, my thinking is. It's really just going to be, you know, some variation on blood and bone. Uh, look, the reason we use blood and bone is because it's a, a sort of lovely, safe fertilizer to use on plants. You can use it on natives as well. Um, yeah. I just I like to think it, it's really gentle. That's that's my way of thinking about blood and bone. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would just grab some of that if you wanted to, and, and sprinkle that around the the beetroot and see what happens uh, if it does help. It, it may well help because it'll just um, you know help that tuber form. Um, yep. You know, the, the uh, constituents in the blood and bone. So, yeah, I, I think give that a try. Uh, if okay. you are going to use it, though, don't sort of um, – what's the best way to describe it? Don't put sort of big piles of it around because what happens is it sort of becomes hydrophobic and doesn't break down and wash into the soil very well. Uh, so oh, when I'm okay. using blood and bone, I just like to do, uh, you know, almost like a fine dusting or, you know, try and till it back into the soil. Don't put, a, mm-hmm. you know, lumps of it around because it just hardens up and, and doesn't work very well for you. Oh, yeah, okay, thanks. Got no sister. Oh, I never heard of bone meal. That's probably an uh, American thing, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, look, that's the trouble. We all jump on Google now and again and we find weird and wonderful things. And, yeah, they just have different names for them. Uh, you know, a lot of times people ring up and they've, uh, you know, they've found a chemical or something in America, but, you know, you can't use it here in Australia. Um, so, yeah, all those different weird and wonderful things you do find on Google. 
Thank you. And the only other question was, I have spoken to you before, citrus trees have got that many blooms on them, Actually, they'll all, a lot of will fall off, and they've got all new growth, but I want to spray them with white oil with the buds and that there. That's, I'm sure you said it doesn't hurt. No, look, that, that shouldn't hurt spraying with white oil at the moment. Uh, it's not, you know, really hot enough yet. So, look, I, I think the trouble with white oil, if it gets, you know, later on in the year, um, there should be some directions on the packet about the type of temperatures you can't use it, um, yep. you know, over, because it, it will. It's just a, an oil-based product, uh, and it will just, uh, you know, sort of burn and um, create some problems for the plant. Uh, I, I have, you know, accidentally done it before where I've sprayed new growth with, with white oil, and it just blackens off and, and curls up, and it's not mm. very good. So you just have to be careful. Careful. Uh, that you're not going to do it, you know, on a really, really hot day. Um, and and you're right, um, you know, your citrus, um, you know, will have plenty of flower on at the moment. But uh, we're having those westerly winds, so water, water, water at the moment is the main thing to reduce the stress on the plant and uh, you know stop it from dropping its bud. Okay, I was just worried about the water all affecting the buds. That was all, but. Uh... No. Okay. Yeah, look, and I, but I just wouldn't go willy-nilly spraying white oil unless you can see that there's some pest or insect on there that you're needing yep. to control. Um, so always wait, you know, uh, you know, before you go and spray. There's okay. actually something there that needs to be, um, you know, counteractive. Okay, thanks very much, Scott. Okay, good on you, Noel. Thanks for the call. Okay, good afternoon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Six, we've got Brad from Singleton, and he's got a question about curly leaf in citrus. Hey, Brad, how can we help? Yeah, mate, um, my citrus tree, it looked sick all last season. Um, I was hitting it with white oil. Um, just wondering what else I can do to, to get rid of the leaf roller. Um, as, as quick as the new leaves grow, they're, they're curling up. So there's something there curling them. Yeah, look, that, that that is an issue um, with citrus and the new growth. Uh, look, as we were talking earlier, you know, aphids can also be a problem um, with citrus. You know, they sort of come and go and they'll suck on that new growth and it just curls up. Uh, little thrips as well. You get the little black thrips all, all over them. Yeah, mate. Yeah, so look, uh, rather than just using white oil, and, I, and I'll get to another thing about white oil in a second, um, but rather than using white oil for those things, I'll be getting just some pyrethrum spray and generally spraying that around just to keep the uh, the thrips and aphids under control. Um, yep. Look, mate, the other thing you do get with citrus um, when the new growth comes on, and it's not so bad at this time of year, but it gets really bad, you know, January, Feb, March. Yep. Uh, is that you get the citrus leaf miner, and that's actually a moth that lays its little egg, the egg hatches, you know, life goes around in the cycle, and a little um, sort of uh, weevil gets in between the the layers of, of the leaf, uh, the membranes of the leaf, and it just wrecks yep. up them as well. You see those little tracks. Uh, and that's when you'd use your white oil or your eco oil at that point in time to try and, um, you know, dissuade or, you know... Um, <clears throat> pardon me, you know, stop the moth from laying its egg and then the, the little weevil getting in there. So yeah. around that time, you know, Jan, Feb, uh, March, that's when you uh, get in there with the white oil or the eco oil to try and keep that under control. But at this time of year, mate, I would be using a bit of pyrethrum spray and just, uh, you know, getting out there every week and giving it a general spray just to uh, keep those thrips under control. Yeah, no worries. All right, awesome. Thanks, Scotty. Okay, good on you. Thanks for the call, Brad. No worries. Thanks, mate. Bye. Bye. And we've got Rose from Morissette, and she's got a question about the lime tree. Rose. We have a lime tree, and these orange and black beetles attacked it just before winter. And it's just about dead 
the now the branches. There's only a few leaves and they're yellow and green. We had one small yellow lime and a green lime. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh look! Don't don't, don't despair, Rose. Um, oh, yeah, look, the, nice. <laughs> the bronze the bronze orange bug they are. They're really bad. Uh, they'll, they'll just oh. get in and suck the sap out of the the plant, and they really debilitate them. Um, now, is your plant in a pot or in the ground? It's in the ground. It's in the ground. Okay. Um, look, what I would do at the moment, it's new growth time for uh, for citrus. So I would just be watering, watering, watering at the moment. Don't worry too much about fertilizer. Uh, we just want to get that new growth up and running. Uh, and then look in, uh, you know, probably about a month or so, then you might just give it some, uh, actually, I'll, I'll go back. I think you could actually could give it some liquid fertilizer at the moment. Uh, so, you know, okay. yeah, flourish or thrive, one of those, uh, you know, type liquid ones you mix up in the watering can, just, you know, water it all around the drip line. And then in about a month's time, you could give it a gentle feed of some poultry manure. Um, but anything that's sort of dead and crispy, um, any of those yeah. branches, just give them a good prune back. Start on the outside and start pruning back in until you get to some green and stop there. Uh, and, and then just, uh, yeah, water and, and wait. And I think it will come back. It's uh, definitely the time for some new, new growth in a citrus tree. So I, I wouldn't be too concerned. But the other thing you have to do is keep those bronze orange bug yeah. under control um, when they do arrive. And they certainly will. Um, they just seem to sniff out citrus. Um, so you can spray them if you want to. Um, Look, the other way is uh, I, I, you know, sort of hear tell people going and getting the old, uh, you know, vacuum cleaner from out in the garage or whatever oh, no. and, and, va- and vacuuming the bronze orange bug into the vacuum cleaner and getting rid of them that way. Uh, if anyone's got any other, you know, sort of pointers to keep those, uh, you know, stink beetles under control, would love to hear them. Yeah, uh, they you... smell terrible. <laughs> oh, they, they do. They're terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, you can use a confidor. You just have to use it very carefully, make sure the bees aren't around. And the great thing about the, the stink bugs is that you can see them. They're very, you don't have to sort of indiscriminately spray. You can just go up, you know, like you're a, you know, a sharpshooter or Clint Eastwood or something <laughs> like that. And you can just use your, your little gun to just shoot the back of the, um, the beetles and that will just get them under control um, you know after about 10 or 15 minutes you'll start to see them go a little bit crazy and then they'll you know just curl over and fall down to the ground so that's a couple of methods to uh, to keep the bronze orange bug under control oh thank you so much i hope they don't come back again <laughs> well look, they, they will they will sure as you know sort of night follows day um they will come yeah. back um, but yeah you just need to try and keep them under control in some way Thank you so much. Not a problem. Thank you very much for the call. Bye. Bye-bye. We've got Christine from New Lambton, and she's got a question about sweet pea flowers. I do. Hello, Christine. How can we help you? Um, well, I'm just wondering. I, I don't grow sweet peas, but I do love them, and I buy them. Um, I bought some Wednesday. Oh, she's dropped out on us there. dropped out. Yeah. I wonder what's happened with the sweet pea flowers. I was interested to hear that. Is it sweet peas or just this? Uh, well, obviously they're flowering. Yeah, look, well, it is coming towards the end of sweet pea season now because they are typically planted in St. Pat's Day. Yep. Um, back in May. M- May. May. March. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Uh, yeah, you can see my Irish heritage there isn't flowing through. strong, but uh, yeah, so they typically uh, planted earlier in the year, um, it's on St. Pat's Day, yep. and then they'll flower through sort of winter and they'll stop finishing about now, but they do have a beautiful scent and they're a really easy plant to grow. Um, you know, different varieties, there's Bijou, the smaller one, there's Calicade, the taller sort of um, climbing one. So yeah, sweet please, peas, really easy. The kids can grow them as well, just in a couple of pots if you need to, uh, and just easy to, and very, very fragrant also. Lovely. They're climbers too, aren't they? They are. The Bijou is the small one. doesn't get too large, but yeah, Calicade will sort of, you just need a, you know, a little bit of a mesh and it'll just go up through there and off it'll go for you. Too easy. So yeah, okay. But we've still got a couple of calls. We've got Megan from Brandy Hill and she's looking for some ideas for shrub in a western facing bed. Hello, Megan. We, we, can, we can squeeze this in. <laughs> Megan, how can we help you? Yeah, hi. Um, just give you a quick call. We uh, live at Brandy Hill. We are just doing a garden at the front of our property, which is western facing. We had some fig trees in there, which we've just removed through a lot of hard work. Yes. Um, and now we're looking to put some sort of nice shrub out the front. Um, it's quite a long area. It's about, I don't know, 20 metres long. Um, we were just looking for some shrubs that might be suitable there for the western facing sun and wind. Yeah, okay. Now, look, that, those, uh, the, the garden bed, is it very clay up there or have you just got some good, um, you know, nice natural soil? Look, it's a nice natural soil and we've added some good soil to it as well. Um, we'll have it irrigated as well. Um, so, yeah, we've added a bit of nutrients to it as well since we've removed all of the figs. Okay. Look, I was just going to suggest uh, the reason I was asking about whether it was very clay or not, because I was going to uh, recommend some grevilleas in there. There's lots of different, you know, sizes of grevilleas you can get. Uh, they do hedge quite nicely as well. So you could, for instance, use grevillea Robin Gordon. It's a, a lower growing one. Um, so you could have, you know, a line of those. Uh, you could have some different ones in, in the back. Um, so that's a, a great idea because you get the beautiful flowers on them, bird attracting yep. then. Um, you know, the, the birds just flock in to get the nectar out of grevilleas. So they're a really great idea. There's taller ones like Sandra Gordon, um, Honey Gem. Uh, very, very easy, very quick growing as well for you. Uh, yep. You don't have to over-fertilise them. You don't have to over-water them once they're established. Yep. And, and they'll just, you know, go gangbusters for you. Um, look, if you wanted something, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, not as native-y, uh, you could go with gardenias. Um, yep. There's gardenia florida. It gets about one and a half metres tall. Uh, again, you can prune it. It's very prunable. Uh, and you get those beautiful white fragrant flowers on there. Not really very bird attracting as such, but, uh, you know, you get that really deep, you know, green glossy leaves on them and, and the wonderful white flowers. So um, there, there's a couple of suggestions. Uh, any other, like other plants like Giranta, um, golden Giranta, it's a yellow coloured plant. Um, now, the trouble with that is it can get a bit, uh, you know, large, can get a couple of metres tall. Um, yep. So it's something you would have to be pruning fairly regularly to keep it, um, you know, down to size. But it is a very prunable plant, so uh, it will give you some contrasting, uh, you know, foliage in the garden. Perfect. And I just had one more question, if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, we've had a lime tree for, I reckon, about 15 years. Um, we only get these very small golf ball size, very hard little limes off it. It's quite full of leaf, um, but we never seem to be able to get any fruit out of it, although it's in like a citrus area where we do get a lot of oranges and mandarins and blood oranges, and they all go gangbusters. Um, but this poor little lime tree, we just can't for the life of us get any fruit out of it. So just wondering if there's sometimes lime trees that just don't work. 
Oh, look, that, that that's not necessarily the case. Uh, I would use some sulfate of potash just to promote the fruiting and flowering, and it just makes the, the fruit much healthier. Uh, the other thing I do is grab some of the soil and take it down to your local garden centre and get a pH test done on yep. it just to make sure that it's nice and alkaline there um, for the citrus plant because if it's acidic in any way, citrus just don't like that. Um, it's unusual, though, that your other citrus are growing in that area. Mm, it might yep. just be something specific. You know, someone's washed out a wheelbarrow or, you know, all sorts of weird and wonderful reasons, you know, that things can happen in a certain area. So, yeah, I'll just go and get uh, that soil tested and, and see what uh, comes of that. Wonderful. Thanks very much for your help, Scotty. Okay, thanks very much. Have a great day. Bye, bye. Got time for one more call. We've got Tracy from Whitebridge and her indoor peace lily is being eaten. That doesn't sound very no. good. <laughs> How can we help you, Tracy? Oh, hi, Scott. I have a peace lily and it was absolutely glorious. And now all of a sudden something's gnawing on the leaves from one end of the leaf to the other. And it just looks like it's been beat up. You know, like some of the stems are broken and hanging. And there was actually a hole in the soil um, where I thought something might be burrowing, but I'm not quite sure. Okay, now you've just got that in a big pot inside, have you? It's in a pot inside, yes. Yeah, okay. And look, uh, what about the uh, the light conditions for the plant? Is it, you know, getting a... It's perfect. It's been thriving where it is, so nothing's changed. Okie day. Look, I, I would, uh, you know, have a really good look around the plant. Um, if you wanted to, you could, you know, lift it up and take it out to the garage or onto the veranda uh, and give it a spray with some pyrethrum just to, uh, you know, keep any, you know, you know, uh, sort of uh, chewing insects, uh, caterpillars yeah. under control. You might also want to mix some up into a watering can and drench it down through the soil. Uh, okay. to try and get rid of, you know, what, you know, you know, think there might be something sort of burrowing in there. So use that pyrethrum for that. Look, main thing is though, once that pyrethrum's you know dried off or run down through the soil, um, put your plant back into a shady spot. You don't want it to be sitting out in the sun or in the wind because no. it's not acclimatised to that, and you'll probably do a lot of damage. Um, so yeah, look, I'll just give that a try uh, and see if that keeps it under control. You might then want to do it again in a week's time. Uh, you know, same process again, a bit of a spray, a bit of a drench, uh, just yeah. to keep everything under control with it. Great. Thanks so much, Scott. Okay, not a problem at all. Thanks for the call, Tracy. Bye. It's Guarding Talk back on 2NURFM. Scott Sharp, we're nearly out of time for another week, but Clivias, you mentioned, or Clivias. Clivias, I know. We, we have like... Is this, it Clivias or Clivias? Well, we have the uh, eternal annual debate, don't we? It comes tomato, around, tomato. Yeah, it comes around at this time of year and you and I go, oh, what's it going to be? Oh, I think it is Clivia. Okay. Yeah, we'll I think, say Clivia. Yeah, named after Lady Clive. Really? Yes, they're actually a South African plant. Yep. <laughs> and they uh, were obviously brought back to England, uh, cultivated. They love the shade, but they have those beautiful orange-coloured uh, flowers at the moment. There's also yellow and white varieties. So if you've got a really shady spot in the garden, you need a, a tough plant. About the only thing that's going to you know harm them is sun. They're a bit like zombies, really. Like oh, right. Oh, no, vampires. Vampires, that's yeah. the one I'm thinking about. Like zombies are fine of the sun. Yeah, that's true. They are a bit like vampires. They don't like the sun. It's the only thing that will harm them. Um, otherwise, they can you know, almost sit out of the ground for a few weeks on end. Uh, but you get those beautiful flowers at this time of year. That's uh, Clivia miniata and its other varieties. Excellent. Scott Sharp, we'll catch you again next week. Okay, talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.